With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 117th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We got a lot here today and we're going to uh, get going right away, but just to give you a rundown of where we're headed so you can stay with us. Uh, the new pass interference rule that passed in uh, Phoenix Tuesday night. Vic Beasley, Tack McKinsley, McKinley. What Dan Quinn had to say about them, Isaiah Oliver, DeMonte Casey, the lineup at left and right guard, the draft needs, Arthur Blank, what he had to say about the sale, the Super Bowl, no-shows, and his new yacht, and also about Grady and Julio Jones. And then also... uh the Cover 9 at 9 blog will be out this morning at 9, uh, where we discuss why Elijah Holofield declared for the draft. It's uh, unclear to us, and uh, it's unclear to, to quite a few people, but uh, we want to discuss that in the Cover 9 blog. But let's get right to this pass interference rule. The uh, Sean Payton Coach of the New Orleans Saints led the charge here. Jason Garrett from Dallas gave the speech. The uh, coaches wanted some kind of replay of pass interference, OPI and DPI in the last two minutes of the uh, first half in the game where uh, it can be reviewed from the eye in the sky. You got the eye in the sky cam working in the uh, American Alliance of Football and the coaches like that idea just because they never want it to uh, happen again. And what happened to the Saints where it was clearly a pass interference. They didn't call it on the field. They couldn't review it. And the Rams went on to the Super Bowl as a uh, team that probably should have lost that game. So the NFL coaches are one out on this one. They're going to be uh, reviewing the OPI and DPI in the final two minutes of the first half and the uh, end of the game on a trial basis for one year. Then they'll come back and see if they want to adopt it, expand it. Uh, you know, they kind of had to move a little bit of heaven and earth to get this bill uh, passed by the uh, league owners, 31 to 1. The Bengals were the only team that did not vote for it. Uh, would, uh, definitely, uh, be a change. We would have probably saw the Saints here in Super Bowl 53 as opposed to the Rams. But, uh, you know, now they'll have a chance to get that call correct. Well, should have been caught on the field. And the fact that it wasn't caught on the field hamstrung the officials, but I thought when they went to the league office where they had one official uh, back when it was Dean Blandino uh, back in New York correcting calls, that's what I thought they could do, but uh, obviously not. But now they can in the final two minutes of the uh, first half and uh, of the game. They can review the OPI and DPI 
uh, penalties and make the correction if need be. If it's not called and it's missed, they can call it. And that would have certainly changed the outcome of that uh, Saints-Rams game. There's no 57-yard field goal by Greg the Leg Zerline after that. So that's pretty big news around the league, and we'll see how that plays out. The Falcons will get five exhibition games with the Hall of Fame game up in Canton to see how it works. Now, um, Coach Dan Quinn uh, was kind enough to uh, take some questions from us via the uh, team's fine PR staff there uh, out in Phoenix. Uh, you know, he did his live interviews, and he, uh, they were able to get our questions in uh, thanks to uh, PR staff and the website team. Uh, Kelsey Conway asking uh, my questions for me. And, you know, I usually ask Coach, uh, hey, um, you know, who are the five players that, that have to step up next year? And uh, he went on he went on a whole list. I'm going to write a story about his list of uh, offensive and defensive guys that need to step up uh, in 2019. But the first two guys on his list were Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley, uh, you know, the uh, defensive ends. He needs both of those guys to step up this year. And he's going to, you know, align them a little bit differently. Uh, Jason Butt from The Athletic asked a good follow-up question on, on what he meant by uh, how he was going to, you know, use them differently. But we've seen Vic drop in the coverage, do some Leo stuff in the past. He talked about putting him inside the tight end and outside the tight end. Neither one are big enough for that. But you could put the linebacker right on top of the tight end and then have them coming uh, at a wider angle for stunts and games and tricks and everything. So you can uh, you can see that Coach Dan, and as the defensive coordinator, is going to draw up the whole thing and uh, is going to free up these guys to get after the pass rusher. So Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley are they got to step it up, and you know when you got the coach saying it, uh, it's you know it ain't about the media or hating on the a hating or uh, on social media. This is the coach at the coaches meeting at the uh, league meeting at the coaches breakfast saying who his guys are that got to step up, and they're not the only two. So we'll get that list to you and discuss it. Uh, we'll get an expert in here. I'll call Chuck. Smith to have him break down what a coach was talking about with the angles and lining up inside and outside of the the um, tight end in this 4-3 you know they got the Leo position and then they can go old school elephant uh, Charles Haley type deal it's a San Francisco base so we'll get a uh, big Chuck to break that down for us I see he's working out Grady Jarrett and couple other people, Bud Dupree, this week uh, at his uh, pass rush camp. Now, Isaiah Oliver, coach confirmed he's going to be your new starting cornerback. They drafted him for this, and now it's his time to stand up. You can see where he moved really good last year, uh, despite, you know, some bumpy uh, uh, issues early uh, the Bengals game when he let A.J. Green get behind him. And then the Steelers game, Font went out and he had to go in and, 
you know, Antonio Brown got loose for him, got loose on him for a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, hey, it's a rookie going against two of the best receivers in the league. So they were trying to get him ready for this last year. And uh, now it's his job. There's no depth behind him. Blendy Ray Wilson's behind him. Uh, steady veteran. Uh, so you can expect the uh, Falcons to draft corner here in the upcoming draft. Now, DeMonte Casey, uh, he uh, wanted a bigger role. He's going to get a shot to win the nickel job. And, uh, you know, they're just hoping to get Ricardo and uh, Keanu back at full strength. Everybody's going to be ready to go by training camp, he said. Uh, Brandon Fusco included with the broken ankle. And uh, some people will be able to do some things over the offseason, but he should have everybody back by training camp. So you got uh, Vic and Tack got to step up. Isaiah Oliver's a corner. DeMonte Casey tied for second in the league with interceptions. Last year is going to get a shot at Nickelback. One other thing that we needed to get cleared up from Coach, uh, what was going to go down at guard spot? Uh, the the uh, website had asked him about it uh, when Carpenter and Jamin Brown signed. And uh, he didn't want to answer that. And uh, I talked to Chris Morgan. He's like, hey, we got a plan. He didn't want to tell us. But, yeah, James Carpenter, as we suspected, we put him at left guard. And uh, Jamin Brown, he's from Louisville. He's got a twin uh, brother, Coach said, uh, uh, out there in uh, Phoenix. And Brown will battle with Fusco for right guard. And he thinks that all three of those guys are, you know, between those three, they're going to come up with some guard play uh, to go around with uh, Alex Mack at center, Jake Matthews at left tackle, and then Ty Sambrillo will be at right tackle. And if you, you know, stack up the... The depth chart, you could see where the holes are. So I wasn't really surprised to hear this uh, about the draft needs. But uh, defensive end, safety, and cornerback, not necessarily in that order. Uh, they're certainly um, still going to uh, look at line. You might can get a lineman early. Uh, 14, you're going to get a good player. It's going to be about five or six guys on the board to the point where you could trade back to 20 and get your guy. If Pittsburgh really wants Baker, maybe they come up to 14 to get him. Or you can trade back and get Lawrence. Uh, you know, he's looking at 19 right now. Uh, you know, I think Jonah Williams is a fine pick if you get him. Cody Ford, not as high on him as I am on Williams. But that'll be a good player there at 14. But draft needs, clear draft needs, according to the coach here, too, or DN. Uh, strong safety in a cornerback. Because, you know, last year they had to go hybrid. Jordan Richards, uh, Sherrard Neesman when uh, Keanu Neal was hurt. So it'll be good for them to get a, uh, uh, you know, maybe a young kid that can go back there and play just to give some, them some insurance as Keanu comes back from his knee surgery. So, you know, as far as Coach Dan Quinn, you got the P.I. rule out there. Vic and Tack got to step it up. We got a whole story coming for you that on Sunday. It'll be online Friday for our subscribers. 
Isaiah Oliver at cornerback, Demonte Casey at nickel, Carpenter left guard, Brown and Fusco to duke it out at right guard, draft needs, DE, strong safety and cornerback. I also got to uh, talk with the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank. Posted a couple stories there. Uh, just going to uh, touch on them here. The sale of uh, uh, 10% of the uh, the franchise to uh, uh, three new partners, one Alan Christenbaum, a uh, Canadian steel man. Uh, he's a new limited partner. And, uh, you know, the uh, I talked to Mr. Blank. They had brought back the shares from the Williams family, a small amount, he told me, uh, to... Um, uh, you know, and then we're able to sell a small portion of the team to to the three limited partners. He said that was to uh, get some money up for their the family foundation. He said the family foundation has given away four hundred million dollars over uh, since nineteen ninety five. He said north of four hundred million, and they wanted to step up their efforts here in the next. Five to six years. So, uh, you know, that's um, philanthropy is what he wants to do. He wants to give away some of his wealth. And uh, that's what this sale was about. He'll remain in control um, of the franchise. And uh, the old number was 9010. And I'm, I'm thinking it's still somewhere in that range. So there was a sale, Super Bowl at the summer meeting in May is when uh, they'll start getting in line for trying to get another Super Bowl. So we we probably have to attend that uh, league meeting. Uh, brought to his attention the article that uh, Tim Tucker wrote for us about no shows and about nine thousand the people were on average were not coming to the games. Um, you know they were. Uh, announcing ticket distributed which doesn't really do much uh you know they can give them away they could say like they got a high total but uh we really need to know the 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 number of the people in the stands the turnstile count maybe we'll get that this year and then uh uh, on the business side lastly the yacht should be here by the end of the summer. The hundred and eighty million dollar yacht. It's got a couple trips to Holland, and they got to do a couple sea tests with it. But Blink said him and the family are looking forward to the new super yacht that uh, they'll be getting here uh, later in the summer. Now, with regards to Grady and Julio Jones. Arthur Blank said, told me that they are going to be Falcons for life. So he used the same terminology with Julio last year. Uh, and he, he talked about Matt Ryan and uh, the deal being, uh, you know, being good for Ryan and the team. And he talked about that for Grady Jarrett here, too. Uh, you know, they want to keep him here, want him to be a Falcon for life. Uh, but they got to find a deal that's, um, you know, going to work for him and the team because you got all these players coming up. And uh kind of started with Ryan. Uh, next up was Grady. Then Julio came back in line. Uh Then you have... uh you know, coming up here in the next couple of years, Deion Jones, they might want to get ahead of that. Uh, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, 
they did do Ricardo Allen already, and then you got Devondre Campbell. You know, you're not going to be able to keep all of them. It's a hard salary cap. Uh, you know, you saw Tevin Campbell go this year. You saw where they couldn't pay uh, Bruce Irvin uh, this year. And, uh, you know, Vic Beasley's playing on the, uh, his uh, rookie tender. So, you know, that's that'll open up some money if he, you know, can play and produce, uh, you know, good for him. But if not, you know, that'll open up a little bit to give to the guys who have been productive. So, uh, you know, that was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, good stuff here from uh, Arthur Blank, the sale, Super Bowl. No shows, shots coming. Uh, Grady Falcon for life. Julio, uh, they have they have touched bases. There was some uh, kind of weak report this week uh, or last weekend. Don't want to kick dirt on them, but we'll just keep it moving at the fact that uh, Miss Arthur Blank said they have talked to Julio and his agent. So to get things started, and uh, <clears throat> they. Probably, or, you know, I'm thinking July uh, would be a good time right before training camp to get Grady done. And once Grady's done, Julio will go pretty fast, I do believe. So uh, we'll see how that goes and uh, keep track of that. So with that, we're going to wrap up here from the 117th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Uh, the Falcons will probably go dark here for a little bit as they get ready for the draft. Uh, we might have a pre-draft presser. I think I saw that last year. Uh, that'll be probably the week before the draft. Drafts on the April the 25th through the 27th. And uh, we'll get our position-by-position position, uh, stories together. Uh, one, uh, in our, uh, some of our, you know, big, uh, draft stories with the quarterbacks and, uh, some of the other positions of need that the Falcons have. You, we know, uh, they got DN's, um, strong safety and cornerback. You could add O-line on there and returner, returner receiver. You know, they need to get somebody in line for, uh, to take up the slack, you know, for Sanu, who's going into last year, his contract, either replace him or, uh, you know, have that load shift over to Calvin Ridley. But with that, we're going to bid you all adieu here from the 117th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We hope your brackets are holding up well. Have a great rest of the week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.